Welcome to episode 200 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes, so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. Butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast with code ifpodcast. And we'll put all this information in the show notes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 200 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. How are you today, Jen? I am fabulous. How are you? I'm good. That's good. Episode 200. Hooray! I'm really looking forward to this one today. I've been looking forward to it. So I'm very excited. Me too, ever since we decided to do it. 200 is a lot of episodes. It is a lot of episodes, right? I mean, it's it's remarkable. And I'm already on 130-something of my other podcast. And I'm on like 70-something. Isn't that amazing? This is crazy. I was chatting with a friend of mine. Well, it's someone I've met through, you know, through podcasting, and it's someone who has a podcast. And we were talking about numbers, 
and I talked about, you know, we were talking about downloads. Do you realize that, I, okay, between the two of us, let's see, we've got f- four podcasts between the two of us. Yes. All four of our podcasts are in the top 5% of all podcasts by number of downloads. That's crazy. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah. Because I, I shared, I mean, my new one that I just launched in December with my co-host, Sherry Bullock, you know, we're we're still a, a baby podcast. You know, we're, we've done like 12 episodes recorded so far, but even that one, we're in, you know, the top 5%. Exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. And I'm like, that's kind of remarkable. <laughs> There's a lot of podcasts out there. So listeners, thank you. I do not take your listening for granted, and I'm glad you keep coming back. I do not either. I love our audiences. I guess they're audiences. They are because I know there's there's overlap, but not everyone listens to all four, obviously. So I actually have a really related announcement really quick, really brief. I think I know what it is. Probably. I decided to start a new Facebook group. You've had an effect on me with the Facebook groups. Well, it's it's addictive because you want to focus your conversation in a place. Yes, 100%. So I have my IF Biohackers is my main group. And then I have my Lumen Lovers. And I don't even know what it's called now. It's for people who use Lumen. (laughs) It's like Lumen, Biosense, CGM, right? Something else. I don't know. Wearable device peeps. Yeah. For all related to fat or carb burning though, or ketone burning. That's not the new group. The new group is for clean beauty. I asked in my group if people would like it. And everybody was like, yes. I just made it. Like right then, feel free to join me. It's called Clean Beauty and Safe Skin Care with Melanie Avalon. And it's all for any discussions about safe skin care, non-toxic beauty products, diet, reviews, all the stuff. Of course, I love Beauty Counter. So there's a lot of talk about that there, but it's really anything related to clean beauty and safe skin care. And you know, I'm researching for my new book that I'm working on now. And so it's just reinforcing that this is even more important than, you know, I like to even think about. It's so important. Yes. Like what we put in is so important, what we put into our bodies. So, And for listeners who would like to purchase Beauty Counter through us, the link for that is melanieavalon.com slash beauty counter. And something special may or may not happen after your first purchase. It will. It will happen. (laughs) But in any case, so today's episode, episode 200, we decided to do something. Actually, it's what we did for episode 100, which is an Ask Me Anything episode. So we asked for questions. There might have been some questions about fasting that I included, but in general, most of these questions are not about intermittent fasting. Some of them might be, but they're just random fun things. So I'm really excited. This will be fun. Yeah, I'm excited too. Lots of fun. Are we ready to get started? I think so. Okay. The first one, maybe you guys, oh, this is from Crystal. She says, maybe you guys have mentioned this, but do you talk via Zoom or Skype? Like, can you both see each other when you talk? I've always wondered. I think we should talk about our evolution of all the platforms we've used and why. Like we started with Skype, you know? Uh Uh-huh. First it was Skype. And why we stopped using it. This is the kind of thing that people, a lot of people are starting podcasts and wondering, you know, what platform to use. So there, people like that are very interested in platforms. Yeah, it's definitely been a journey and we've evolved and done a lot of different things. We use Skype and then do we go Zencaster or anything in between? The reason we used Skype, I mean, it was, you know, something that was available and 
it was free. We used the voice recorder app also to record our conversations for that. But it it was, you know, it, it got glitchy, especially with guests. It was hard to use. Then we, and we could see each other. Then we moved to Zencaster and we could not see each other. And Zencaster worked great for a while. And then it started getting so glitchy. I actually still use Zencaster though. We think it was something between Jen and I's computer. <laughs> it would only mess up for us. Like I use it, I use it for my other show and it's usually fine. So we're not really sure our computers hate each other or something. It might have had to do with the fact that we both had like the had accounts. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of just some being a guest. Anyway, it also started to get glitchy for me with guests. It was always a crapshoot as to whether or not somebody would be able to log in and we would I troubleshooted with troubleshot. What's the word? Troubleshooting. <laughs> I did a troubleshooting with one person for over an hour before she was able to get on. And and she finally could, but it was like, now try this browser. Now try to unplug this. Now get it. You know, it was hard. I, I will say just really quickly, I do still use Zencaster. And in general, I don't have issues. I think that's likely because you're dealing with professionals who probably do a lot of interviews and they have different equipment. Whereas I'm I'm interviewing, you know, just a standard person who's cobbling together whatever they can find from friends and family. A lot of them. Yeah. Like whenever I interview somebody who like like I just interviewed someone who has a podcast and I'm always excited because I know they'll be able to log in immediately. <laughs> it'll be <laughs> it'll be easy. Yeah. So that could also be something to do with it. But now we use Squadcast. And Squadcast allows you to see each other if you choose. But Melanie doesn't like to see herself. (laughs) So we turn it off. (laughs) But I use it with every other guest and including with Sherry Bullock for life lessons. And we do use the video and we look at each other. Yeah. So listeners, probably the reason I chose Encaster to do my second show, the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, was because I knew there wasn't a video option. And I can't think if I can see my face. Like I, I just... It throws me off. And especially on that other show, it distracts you. Also, this is just me being completely insecure, but it's oftentimes me connecting with people I really, really respect and admire and want to make a really good impression. And I would be like, I'm very much image conscious, like not in a, I don't know. I just get really... It would distract you. It would distract me. I would be worried about what I look like. And so... It's just really wonderful for me to have no video. And it's even easier for me with this to do no video. So, but Jen and I, in the beginning, we saw each other. We did. Like that time I fell off the stool and you could see me fall off. Remember that? (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Such good times. Yep. Okay. Shall we? The next one? Yep. This is from Jackie. She says, Melanie, do you date? And is that person a science nerd like you said with love? Hey, I'm married to a science nerd. I love science nerds. I do love science nerds. Oh, can I tell you this? I'm whispering it into the microphone. He's upstairs doing research for me for my new book. (laughs) I was like, I need some stuff on obesogens. So he's like, you know, looking in the journals for me. (laughs) Yeah. Did you see my blog post about obesogens? It has a lot of studies referenced. Okay, but I'll thank you. I'll pull that one out and I'll ask him to find them for me. And I also asked him to find some studies on earthing. 
slash grounding. I love it. Yeah, because I've got a book about it, but I, I was like, read this and tell me what you think. He's like, this sounds like mumbo jumbo. It's like some of the way that it's worded because, you know, he's a chemist. I'm like, well, find me some studies. And so that's what he's doing. And they're out there. There's good science behind it. It's just the way you present it is important. I actually, I just interviewed Mercola, Joseph Mercola. Uh-huh. His newest book is EMF'd. We talked about that. He said that the main concern with earthing, especially people using like the biohacking type earthing devices, is that it it's not properly grounded. Like it's might make things worse. Well, the only type of grounding or earthing I do is walking outside barefoot. That's it. I'm not going to buy a device. I think that's completely legit. Exactly. Yes. So, so, but to answer the question, I actually hadn't thought about this before. In general, I don't really date that much, but when I have, a lot of them have been science nerds for sure. I love science guys, you know? Bill, Bill Nye, the science guy, love him. Although here's something funny. One of my my fifth grade gifted students one year, I was talking about Bill Nye, and they always said that he looked looked like my husband. Chad, like that they look a little bit alike. They kind of do. But <laughs> one of my students, her name was Abby, and she said, Chad, Chad, the science lad. Oh my goodness, I love it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I love Bill. It's actually, so I have a dream list now of people I want to bring on my other show. Is Bill Nye one of them? I have three people that are, I think, going to be really, really hard to get. (laughs) He's one of them. I love him. Yep. I date my career and my audience. (sighs) Oh, I do want to create a dating app, though. I've said this before. And I asked in my group about it. And everybody is so obsessed with the idea. The window dating. Right. That's funny. I'm going to do it. So the last thing is, yes, I do like science nerds. Jen? Do you listen to music while jumping on your rebounder? She says she has a rebounder playlist, only 20 minutes. The first song is Jump by Van Halen. I do sometimes, not all the time. I tend to be the person who's like watching TV and jumping on it at the same time. So instead of listening to music, because I I love music in the background if I'm doing a task like cooking or cleaning or, you know, putting on makeup or taking a shower. But When I'm on a rebounder, I need a little more mental engagement. So that's why I have the TV on. We see a lot of questions in the groups about rebounders. I love my rebounder. Yeah, I have a Bellicon and I love it. All right. Nicole asks, what kind of music do you both like to listen to? And what is one of your most favorite songs? I know what Melanie likes. (laughs) So Taylor Swift, Lana Del Rey, The Killers. I also like the killers. Oh, you love the wait. Yeah. We connect on something. <laughs> we do. I love the killers. Oh my goodness, this is so exciting. <laughs> Those four. And then I'll say my favorite song, but Jen, how about you? Well, I listen to a lot of, you know, classic stuff. My favorite group is probably U2. I love U2. And I I mean I like so many different artists. Yeah. Like so, it's I've got a big wide range of things, you know, things that were popular in the eighties. I like seventies, eighties. You know, what I like to do is I'll find a song that makes me happy, and then I'll make an Apple Music. Like Siri can create it. Like for example, one summer I listened to "Son of a Preacher Man" radio. 
because she can make a radio station. And I'm like, you know, Siri, create a radio station inspired by Son of a Preacher Man. And I listen to that and they just pull, she'll pull in songs you didn't even know you liked. <laughs> and then I'm like downloading all of them to my, you know, Apple music list. And like, like, this is a weird one. You probably don't even know the song Chevy Van. I do not. Okay. It's from the seventies, but like I had a playlist, you know, Chevy Van songs and, and it was all songs that had that same 70s kind of vibe you know so I listen to a lot of different things I have some country in there violent films I mean I've got a lot of music in there but I have zero Taylor Swift <laughs> zero I think I showed this to you or I might have said this but my Spotify year in review this year for 2020 it said I was in the top on all of Spotify top one percent of Taylor Swift listeners I feel like You have to listen to a lot of Taylor Swift to be in the top 1%. (laughs) Probably so. Yeah. My most favorite song, though, is actually Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. I like that one, too. That one is also on my Apple Music list. Yay. What's your favorite song? I don't have a favorite song. It's just like I don't have a favorite color. It depends on the context. Like, I might have a favorite song for when I'm going to the beach. I like to listen to Carolina Girls, which is a beach music song. Or I might have a favorite song if I'm, you know, for different events. Like, I don't have a favorite color. I have a favorite color for cars. I have a favorite color for home decor. You know, I have like, they vary. So I I can't just pick one. Yeah. (laughs) Runner-up for me is, do you like Trans-Siberian Orchestra? No, (gasps) not at all. And when I'm listening to holiday music, if that comes on, I say, hey, Siri, next song. (laughs) No, Trans-Siberian Orchestra is like my favorite. And they have this one song called Epiphany. It's not Christmas. And it's like 11 minutes of epicness. No, if I was on the gong show, I would gong them. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What's your favorite killer song? Well, I like Mr. Brightside, you know, depending on the mood I'm in. I don't know. I can't I can't say. And I really only have that one Killers album that Mr. Brightside was on. I haven't kept up with their latest. So when I say I like the Killers, <laughs> I like the songs that I have that are Killers, but try their Battleborn album. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. Okay. Oh, and this was a related question, so I threw it in. Sonia wants to know, to me, what's my favorite Taylor Swift song? She says she really wants to know. <sighs> I just, I have to be all too well, which is a giveaway, but I mean, it is a, I feel like a cop-out answer, but it is. According to Rolling Stones, it was the best song of the decade, the decade that it came out. All too well. Oh, that's cool. So I feel validated. All right. The next one is from Michelle. If you never had to worry about money, where in the world would you live? Love you both. Your books and podcasts have been a life infusion for me. Thank you, Michelle. And she has a little leaf emoji, which is very random. So I would want to have a place in Los Angeles, a place in Atlanta, and then a getaway place like out in the middle of actually probably Aspen, like a place in the mountains where I could disconnect. And yeah, probably Aspen. I would have those three. How about you? Well, for me, it would be the beach. I love the beach. And I was just, you know, in my head thinking, which beach would it be? You know, because right now I go to go to Myrtle Beach and we have a place there. You know, I have to admit, I have my eye on beach houses right now. We have a beach condo. But 
you know, that's that's a lot of investment and not knowing with the economy and what's going to happen with the rental market, you know, not I mean, if I my ideal, if I had all the money in the world, I'm not sure what beach I would live on, but I would buy a house on the beach somewhere. But I feel like it would be in the Southeast United States just because I love it here. You know, my family's close by and my friends that like to come and visit me. I would like to be somewhere where people that I, I love would be able to come and visit me in, you know, a few hours. Probably somewhere on the Georgia or South Carolina or North Carolina coast. But I also want to have access to great restaurants and an airport and shopping. That That's one reason I like Myrtle Beach. You know, people sometimes knock it. I grew up going there with my grandmother. I love Myrtle Beach. There are great restaurants there. There's also super cheesy stuff there, but I like cheesy, <laughs> you know, because it's fun. It makes me go back to my childhood and there's a good airport people can come to. So I'm not that sophisticated. If it was like a unlimited money thing, a lot of the money focus would be into the construction of the house, like the biohacking house. Oh, I bet you would have a biohacking house. Crazy. And I would want like an organic farm and like a winery. (laughs) There'd be so much. Okay. Next question from Aaron. What are your Myers-Briggs personality letters? All right. This is is a great question. I actually do know mine, but I have to look it up every time. I am an ENF. J. E-N-F-J. Yes. So mine actually changed. It used to be something very consistently, but then when we got this question, I retook it. And one of the quizzes, it had changed. And then for the other quiz, it was 50-50 split. So I think I'm moving. It used to be I-N-T-J. Now it might be I-N-F-J. So like the T is changing to an F and that's the thinking and feeling. And I wonder if Chad is I-N-T-J. So you used to be I-N-T-J? Yeah, but now it looks like the T, the thinking, I'm moving a little bit more towards feeling. And I wonder if that's just like an evolution of me as a person, you know? That's just really funny. Well, you started off the same thing that Chad is, INTJ. The person I dated the longest in my life ever, who was a very big science nerd, he was also INTJ. INTJs can be difficult. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I feel like I'm not that difficult. Right. So I could see the F coming out. Like changing over? Personally, it's it can be easier to deal with an F than a T for me. That's interesting. The T and the F, I think, those are the two things for me and for Chad where I think that, that we butt heads. There's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thinking feeling. Yep. I think I used to be a lot more, you know, rigid and in my head and... I can see how that would be a little bit difficult. It can be difficult, yeah. But I feel like I've really changed. Like I used to be more bossy and like really intense about being rules-oriented and all of that. And now I'm very much... You're mellowing into an F instead of a T. Yeah. And so you were E-N-F-J. So extrovert. What's the N? I can't remember. That's where we're the same. Every member of my family is an N. Chad, Cal, Will, whatever that is, we're all in. Oh, that's why it's not intuitive, because N stands for intuitive. Okay. And I is introvert. That's the the alternative option. No, E and I are the first one. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong thing. N is intuitive. The alternative is S, which, which is sensor. Okay. 
I just think it's interesting that my whole family were all in. Yeah, that is really interesting. But, you know, it's it's so clear. Both Cal and I have the E, you know, and both Chad and Will are the I, which not shocking. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said Chad was an I. He is an I. Chad and Will are I. Cal and I are E. Which is why when we would go on cruises as a family back in the day when the boys were little, Cal and I were, you know, yucking it up and meeting people. And Chad and Will were like <laughs> sitting in the room. And <laughs> I am not an extrovert <laughs> at all, at all. Yeah. Hi, friends. So I'm sort of haunted by clothes. If you follow me on Instagram, you probably know that I love wearing all the new clothes all the time. And I know that that is not really sustainable and not good for the planet. That's why I am thrilled that there is now a way to get all of the clothes with none of the waste. And I'm going to tell you how you can get unlimited clothes with no waste for a month for free. That's right, I now have a website for both myself and you guys where you can get free unlimited clothes with free shipping, free exchanges, nonstop from all of the hottest brands, and it is so incredibly easy. It's called MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. We have so many incredible brands, including my favorites like BCBG, Calvin Klein, and so many more. Think like a hundred brands. There are so many options. And the way it works is when you get a subscription, you search through the clothes, pick what you want. They send it to you with fast, easy shipping. You wear it as long as you want. And then when you're ready for more clothes, you just drop it off in their prepackaged envelope and get your next round. It is so incredibly cool. They have multiple plans. The starter plan gives you two pieces at a time. Friends, I actually have a little secret hacked. Don't tell them that I told you this. When you get your two pieces, you can actually immediately go into your account, click return, and they'll go ahead and send you the next two pieces. So technically you can have four pieces at a time. You also have a cool virtual closet that you can keep stocked with everything you eventually want to order so you never miss out. And if you really like something and want to keep it, you can opt to buy it at a massively discounted price. Friends, I'm obsessed. This is finally the answer to wearing all the clothes all the time with none of the waste. Oh, and of course, one of my major reservations was the cleaning compounds that they use on the clothes because yes, it is dry cleaning, which normally makes me nervous. And they don't say this on the website. So I reached out to them and I was like, hey, what's going on with the cleaning? What do you guys use? Because I can't promote this if it's just normal dry cleaning. And thankfully, they let me know that they do not use any detergents, fabric softeners, or chemicals that are harsh. Everything is professionally dry cleaned or laundered with detergents that are free from dyes and scents. It's all gentle and it uses low temperature cycles. So yes, we are good on that front as well. It is the coolest thing ever. And you can try it free for a month. Yes, completely free. Just go to MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com to sign up. Free clothes for a month. After that, their plans are super affordable. We're talking honestly, an entire month is less than the cost of typically what would be the cost of one dress. And I am not kidding. That's right. Unlimited clothes for less than the cost of one outfit. I'm just so thrilled to bring this resource to you guys. I can't wait to hear what you guys think. So again, get free unlimited clothes for a month at MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com for all of the clothes, none of the waste. And definitely share your pictures and tag me on Instagram because I want to see all the fabulous things that you guys are wearing. That's MelanieAvalon'sCloset.com. Okay, next question. The next one is from Nicole. Would you guys have been friends in high school? That's so interesting. 
Well, I feel like we probably would have because I think we would have been in the same classes. Yes, I think we would have been in the same classes. And we would have been doing similar thing. Well, I don't know. Actually, I was doing like theater. You know, my mom's a dance teacher and my stepfather at the time was the technical director of a theater. And so I was in plays as well. And of course, always danced. Oh, then probably we'd be in the same classes. But I was such a weirdo. How so? Like, I was not the least bit cool. I just always did whatever I felt like doing. And I don't know. I've, I've always had that same kind of exuberant personality. Like, I, I don't know that I fit in. I also was young because I skipped a grade. So, I, like, I graduated high school at 16. So, I was young and, I don't know, not, like, very focused on clothes. I, I was just, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I wasn't trendy. I had a weird haircut. <laughs> I was in like the the smart people group, but not because there are cliques in high school, you know, and there are different types. And so there was like the smart, like nerdy type group, but I wasn't in that. I was in like the smart, like just people doing things. Yeah, I was too. Thinking back, you know, you can think back, who did you eat lunch with? You know, my my lunch table was, <laughs> we always, we sat at the same lunch table. My high school started at eighth grade, so eighth through 12th grade. I sat at the same lunch table from eighth grade through 12th grade. And every year, you know, the people would come and go and it was a big lunch table. And so we had, it was the the kids that were like in the the college prep classes. And some of us were nerdier than others, but some played football. We had people that, you know, the class president, you know, so yeah. That's the same, actually. That's like the group. Then yes, you would have been sitting at my table. Yeah, we would have been at the same table because there were like some people that were more, quote, popular that were in that. The, the cheerleaders. We had some cheerleaders. We had some, but then there, you know, there was me. <laughs> they let me sit there. <laughs> I, I will say, though, this is just confession. I wanted to be popular so bad. <laughs> um, and my mom would always say, like, you just walk to the beat of your own drummer and you don't care what other people think about you. And that's so great. And I was like, Mom, that's not me at all. I was like, I care so much. Not proud of this. Yeah. It's pretty interesting. I'm not very confident. Oh, <laughs> see, that was the difference. I was so confident that I didn't really care that I was a weirdo. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm just a little different and that's all right. But it didn't, it wasn't like the kind of thing that was prized by like other high school aged boys. Like <laughs> they weren't like, I love your free spirit. No, they're like, you're so strange. <laughs> yeah. We talked about this. You don't know your Enneagram. No, I don't know my Enneagram. Okay. Mine fits me. I'm a three, which is like achiever and like very image conscious. And it explains a lot. So also why I can't stand selfies. I'm just bad at selfies. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know what to do with my hands or my face or whatever. It's so funny. Okay. So Catherine wants to know, what are your favorite podcasts? Well, I don't listen to podcasts. But, you know, if I, I do like, you know, Stuff You Should Know. Is that what it's called? Yes. But if I'm driving or riding in the car, I don't really listen to podcasts. I like to listen to book, like audible books. I almost said books on tape. That's how old I am. Oh, goodness. I have a lot of favorite podcasts. 
I love Rob Wolf's Healthy Rebellion Radio. That's the one I've been listening to since like day one. I love Noelle Tarr's Well-Fed Women, which I've also been listening to since day one. That's also with Stephanie Ruper. Paul Saladino's Fundamental Health. I love Ben Greenfield Fitness. I like Dave Asprey, Bulletproof Radio. I love The Drive, Peter Atia. Found My Fitness, Rhonda Patrick. I love Joe Rogan when he's interviewing people in the, the health and wellness sphere. Love Rich Roll. Oh, I love the ATP Project. That's probably my... Oh, and Body, Mind, Empowerment with Seamland. So those are my favorites. I've recently started listening to Inglorious Trexters, all about Star Trek. It's my first non-biohacking podcast, and it's fabulous. I love Star Trek. That is so funny. Now, do you like the the original Star Trek? The original. I've seen every single episode. If you tell me the plot of one, I can probably tell you the title of the episode. Oh, that's funny. Now, I haven't watched one in like decades, but I love them. Do you remember any of them? Yeah, like the Tribbles. And I was going to say, if you tell me the... Like, I remember the Tribbles one. Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah, I'm so surprised we're not beaming ourselves anywhere yet. I know. How upsetting. That could go so wrong, though. Beaming people places. Well, it never did on Star Trek. They had it figured out. (laughs) Mostly. Yeah, I loved it. The Starship Enterprise. I loved... You know my love of Leonard Nimoy. I've shared that. Wait, I'm. are you sure? Do you remember? We've talked about this. Yeah. I just watched... Have you watched the documentary on Netflix? This is... Or Spock? No, I didn't even know there was one. Oh, my God. I just watched it. It is so good. You know, I, we talked about that we both loved him, right? I guess so. I, I always... You know, he had that show In Search Of. Remember me talking about that? Yes, yes, yes. Like, I always had a crush on Leonard Nimoy. Oh, right, right. Because me too. My first crush, legitimately. Because he's a smart science nerd, right? Yes. And then, you know, Bill Nye, the science guy, and Chad, Chad, the science lad. I think I had a crush on Bill Nye as well. I was too young to register it as a crush, but I was obsessed with him. Well, I was already teaching school. And so (laughs) we would watch them. My students would watch them. I'm putting it out to the universe. If anybody knows Bill personally, will you please introduce me to him so I can invite him onto the show? Oh, but please watch the Spock documentary and let me know what you think. It's so good. It's so good. All right. We have a question from Ritu. And Ritu asks, if you and Jen had to lose about 10 pounds, what protocol would you use given both of you are at maintenance and on one meal a day for a long time? We've talked about this before on other shows, and I'm just going to approach this like crash diet. You want to lose 10 pounds fast in the healthiest way possible. PSMF, protein sparing modified fast. It's basically, it's basically just protein. (laughs) It's really high protein, low calorie. I think it's the safest way to lose fat quickly while maintaining muscle. And I would do it in junction with one meal a day. So like eating your entire PSMF in the one meal a day. And it's not meant to be long-term. It's only meant as a crash diet, but that's what I would suggest. And I would 100% follow my Zoe recommendations, you know, based on the PREDICT3 study that I went through, just based on the one week that I did it. It was astonishing how deep into ketosis I got while eating a ton of carbs every day. And it was, you know, foods that are 
supposed to work the best for my body. And I just can't believe how deep my ketosis was. Like every day I was blowing high on the the biosense versus now that I'm back to eating like I normally do, I'm, you know, getting up to like a seven, even right before I open my window. It, I mean, I was blowing over a 40. I mean, it was remarkable how much my body loved it. So that's what I would do. And I have information at jenstevens.com slash Zoe. By the way, they have a waiting list right now. So many people, so many people signed up that they now have a waiting list. Okay. And for listeners, we'll put links to all of that in the show notes. The show notes will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 200. Okay. We have a question from Laura. She says, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grow up? Well, I wanted to be a teacher always. I always wanted to be a teacher. And then I was a teacher. And I think I'm still a teacher, just with a different classroom. I wanted to be an actress. And I think I I still do want to act, but I think everything is sort of, I actually, this sounds awful. I wanted to be like a legend. (laughs) I wanted to like change the world and be like Oprah or something. You sound like Will. Will wants to be a legend also. When he was so good and like, you know, first chair, all state orchestra, good and so good. And like, you know, the best trombone player in the entire state of Georgia for his age group. I'm not not just saying that he was. <laughs> and I was like, Will, I was like, Will, you are so good. He's like, Mama, I'm state class. I want to be world class. Oh my goodness. Yes. I identify. <laughs> You're the best trombone player in the entire state of Georgia. I think that's pretty good. Well, no, I'm just state class. That wasn't good enough for him. I always just assumed everybody wanted to be a legend. Like, wouldn't everybody want to be a legend? But then, so on the occasion that I do date, I was talking to somebody and we were talking about this and I was like, I want to be a legend. And he was like, I have no interest in being a legend. And it, it blew my mind. I was like, I thought everybody wanted to be a legend. You know, I want to be a teacher. I want to teach people things. I want to help people. And that was that was my job as a teacher. But I like to do it, you know, at a smaller scale. But okay, now we're doing it at a really huge scale. But I don't, I don't know. I don't want to, it's hard to explain. That's so interesting. Like I've never pursued, like, I want to be famous. No. I think I want to be remembered. Well, you know, I think we're both going to be remembered. Isn't that interesting? I told you when we have the same literary agent, when they called me the day that I made the New York Times bestseller list, they said, for the rest of your life and after you're dead, you will be a New York Times bestselling author. I'm like, oh my God, that's so weird. The way she phrased it, for the rest of your life and after you're dead. That would just light me up for like a year. It's very cool. Oh, and then Cal was home. I told you at Christmas that, that they came and visited. And he's like, I think it's probably easy to be your New York Times bestseller. That's not very impressive. I'm like, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> he's like, I mean, there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> well, my, my child is not impressed by it. <laughs> I think it's hard. Anyway. I think it's really hard. It does make me realize how far we've come because I remember when I first started the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast, I thought bringing on a New York Times bestseller would be, I mean, which is amazing, but I was just like, wow, if I brought on a New York Times bestseller, that would just be like a million people are going to listen, right? 
Well, no, not so much that. Well, that, and then also, I just thought that that would be such a stamp of success with the show if it had a New York Times bestseller on it. And now I feel like, I mean, it's amazing, but I don't, I don't think about it as much anymore as like a, um, maybe because we're just surrounded by them now. And you are one. <laughs> Congrats. Thank you. You're like Cal. It's not that impressive anymore. I feel like I'm coming off as really pretentious. I'm, I'm not meaning to at all. I'm constantly in awe and in shock of everything. Like, I'm and so grateful. That's <sighs> crazy. I get what you're saying. All right. Susan wants to know, what's both of your favorite happy songs? We sort of touched on that earlier. What's yours? I mean, I, I don't have one. Uh, like, again, it just depends on the mood that I'm in. It could be a different song at any time. It, uh, really, though, all the songs that make me really happy are the ones that make me think back to, you know, happy memories. And it could be really, there's so many songs that do that. And it depends, like, what you want to be happy about. Like, is it love? Is it, you know, energy? Actually, I got one. I recently found Run by Delta Ray. Oh, my goodness, listeners. Listen to it. You, it'll just make you want to just run <laughs> with happiness. I feel bad that I can't just come up with one, but I just like so many songs. The songs I like walk around belting are all musicals or Thumbelina or Swan Princess, something like that. No, none of those are on my list. No Swan Princess? Zero. <laughs> we could both sing The Killers, though. Yes. That will be, if, if we meet in person, that could be our soundtrack that we play. Okay. Lucy wants to know, who are your role models? And again, this is a question that I can't just say there's one. It depends on what you're talking about. Like, for example, for so many years, Oprah was a role model. You know, I watched her show every day and I loved the message she was putting out in the world. Health and wellness. You know, there are different people that are, are role models for me. Mark Matson is one of my researcher role models. He's from Johns Hopkins. So I, I think it just really depends if you're talking about, you know, in what regard. But I love Maya Angelou. She was at Wake Forest as a professor when I was there. I wish I had taken her class. I've talked about that before. That's one of my one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't really know who she was back. She was teaching? Yeah. I could have taken her class. It was it was the late 80s. And she wasn't as well known. I mean, maybe everybody knew who she was, but I didn't. It was the late 80s and, and you know, people were talking about it, but I didn't understand. I would like to go back in time and say, what is wrong with you? Take her class. But, you know, I, I hadn't really discovered her as a person yet. Well, the first person I think of is my dad, usually. I've always just looked up to him so much. Like, I have so much respect for him. And then Rob Wolf. And David Sinclair in the whole health biohacking research world, like Jen was saying, that category. And then this sounds crazy, but I just, I really, really think everything Taylor Swift has done is amazing. <laughs> and watching her documentary, I feel like I'm very similar to her personality-wise. So I'm very much in awe of her work. Teresa wants to know, if you could invent a product, what would it be? Do you have one right off the bat? I was thinking about this. 
I actually did invent a product. It was for teachers and it it was sold and I got a royalty for a while. It was a pocket chart for classroom management and behavior. I got a royalty for 10 years from that product. Isn't that fun? Wow. Yeah. So it was an actual physical product? Yes, it was a, a physical product. Did you produce it? No, I, what I did, it was a pocket chart and I, I had one that I made in my classroom that I was using and my principal was like sending other teachers into my classroom to learn how to use it. And, and then everyone on my grade level had one, but we'd all made them ourselves. It involved like clothes, pins and <laughs> character education. It was the whole thing. And then everyone was doing it. And then someone said, you should market this. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. This was in the early 2000s. And so I was like, well, who makes all the pocket charts? And there was a company, Pecan, P-A-C-O-N, who made them. And I just reached out to them and I said, I have a product. I think that people would buy it. And they're like, okay. So I I was fun. I got to design it and sketch it. And they manufactured it in, in China and they sent it to me and the prototype. And I mean, it was really fun. And so, I mean, I didn't make a fortune from it. Like sometimes the check would be... $400. Sometimes it would be $30. But I got those royalty checks for 10 years and I was really proud. Like at at one elementary school where I worked, the principal bought one for everybody. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so cool. It was really fun. And, you know, all the like the, the little pamphlet that came with it. I'm like, I wrote that. I mean, that was really my first. I was published in that little pamphlet. (laughs) It's not really a product, but I mean, I created the Food Sense app. If an app is a product. I do want to, like I said, I want to create the dating app for intermittent fasting. But then if I could invent any product, it probably would be something from Star Trek. Maybe, you know, that, wait, I forgot what it's called. The trans, well, we just, we just talked about it. Oh, a transporter? Transporter. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so amazing. That would be fun. I'm not sure that it's going to be able to be possible. <laughs> I'm just thinking back. I remember when I was little, I would try so hard to make the Flintstone car thing where they use their feet to make it move. Like I would try so hard to make that. I don't think I ever really succeeded, but (laughs) would you, Jen, would you do like crazy inventions in your room? Oh yeah. I feel like, I feel like we were similar in that way. Probably so. Yep. All right. We have a question from Rose. She has a question for each of us. She says, Melanie, how did you get into biohacking and what brought you here? You're a thin person. So I can't imagine that IF brought you to a weight loss program. And then Brooke had a similar question. She said, Jen often speaks of her IF journey, but Melanie, why did you start IF? Autophagy, weight loss, or health reasons? So yeah, long story short was I initially did start intermittent fasting to lose weight in college. I kept it for the lifestyle benefits because, you know, once you, once you, you just don't want to go back. Once you start, it just frees up your life so much. And especially with acting and in LA and everything, it was really fabulous to have no feelings of restriction and just eat whatever I want and maintain a, a body composition that I was really happy with. And then for biohacking, honestly, it came about because I had different health issues and, I just went into the rabbit holes of trying to find answers for things like relentlessly. And when you're not feeling your best every day and you feel like something is off, you try so, so hard to find things that will make your body feel better. And the more I learned, the more I learned. (laughs) And so honestly, the other show, the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast just came out of that 
me going on all these tangents and finding things that really did radically change my life and wanting to research and share what I found with others. Yeah, I think I think that's true. You know, wanting to share with others is so much a part of of why we do what we do. If I learn something, I just have to tell everybody. Like <laughs> I just have to tell and it's not me trying to sell things. It's not it's it's me just being like, guys, you have to know about this. Just this morning in my moderator group, one of the moderators is buying a new house and she was furniture shopping and she shared some pictures of a bedroom set that she was gonna buy. And I'm like, let me tell you my furniture buying trick. <laughs> I'm not making any money from it, you know. <laughs> I've just shared it. We're sharers. We're tellers. The question for Jen from Rose is, she says, I am a 50-something. What would you have told your younger self to optimize what you have today? You know, I don't know. I've thought about this before. Would I go back in time and hand myself a copy of Fast Feast Repeat so I could, you know, avoid the mistakes that I made? And I think the answer is no. I think I needed to go through all of that, being obese, having the problems to appreciate where I am now. If I had always been my ideal weight and never struggled, I wouldn't appreciate what it feels like to be my ideal weight as much as I do after having been obese. So I don't, I don't know if I would go back and tell my younger self anything because I think the whole journey was important. I love that so much. And that's sort of the way I feel. I'm like, would I go back and tell myself, oh, don't go to that restaurant, which was on a date with a science person when you got food poisoning and started this crazy gut issues. Like, would you go back and not go to that restaurant? And I wouldn't have everything I have right now. I don't think. See, that's the thing. If I, if it had just been easy and I just, I, who knows what I would be doing, but it wouldn't be this. Right. Maybe it would be better. I don't know. It's hard to say, but I'm grateful for all the lessons I learned. Me too. And then she has a question for both of us. She says, I know that neither of you guys exercise. Well, I do. I do too. (laughs) So we can put that myth to rest. She says, so as a part of the overall picture of health and longevity, would you consider having an exercise expert on in particular to address the physiology of exercise and its impact on overall health and longevity, like yoga, HIIT, strength training, thanks, and much love. We do exercise. Well, I actually, I do now go to the gym and walk on the treadmill for a long time, but I I hope we don't ever come off as anti-exercise. I personally think exercise is so important. Actually, more and more each day, I'm realizing how important it is as far as like maintaining muscle mass is so key for longevity. It's so important in insulin regulation. I think moving and lifting heavy things is so key. I can't emphasize this enough. And I think the misconception is that you have to do a formal program and or like if, if you're not lifting a weight, for example, that doesn't count as strength training. And, you know, I actually have some research on this in Fast Feast Repeat in the exercise chapter that we really can, what, what are they called, functional movements? We really do get a lot of benefit out of those because the gym is a very recent invention and yet people manage to be strong for all of history. It wasn't like people never had a muscle until Gold's Gym came along. Exactly. So I'm never going to be doing CrossFit, for example. Yeah, no, me neither. If you see me doing CrossFit, something's up with me. I'm not against CrossFit. I love those of you that love it. 
you know, I'm, I'm over here. I'm, I still pull out my hula hoop. I get on my vibration plate. I jump on my rebounder. I dance. And I think for the question about having a guest on, I think it probably would be more appropriate for me to have somebody on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. And then we can refer listeners over there. We do that a lot. (laughs) So, okay. We have a question from Angelo. She says, okay, first question, was IF something you ever used to lose weight? Yes. Oh, yeah. And you know, the answer is for me. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She says, how many hours a day do you spend reading and studying in order to be prepared for a new podcast interview? I think she's talking to you about that for Melanie Avalon biohacking. I guess for for both shows. But yeah, for me, all day. (laughs) It's literally, it's hours and hours and hours. And if they have a book, you read the whole book. Mm -hmm. Like right now, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Right now I have five really big, dense books that I'm prepping that all need to be prepped within like a month. I'm always listening to a book on Audible. And then I'm usually reading two books as well. And then as far as like actually prepping the shows that takes, I have these really elaborate prep documents that I make. They're really elaborate. And I have the best assistant ever. And she goes through and like cleans them up for me. I was thinking about this. Pretty much every waking hour is mostly spent doing stuff for the shows with the exception of when I'm like getting a massage or eating, but I love it. And with my podcast, it's, I don't do any prep for it other than like, you know, scheduling the guests because I just, we just talk and the conversation unfolds and and they're real people. Now for the life lessons podcast, you know, we do prep for that. So, yeah. And for this show, it used to be a lot more prep work. But now we've real. I mean, we've been doing this for 200 episodes, so we have a pretty good flow of everything. So for this one, it is more like I do prep when there are questions that require research, but it's definitely a, a lot less on my plate compared to the other show. So, but I'm so grateful. I'm just grateful I get to like do this because <laughs> I love it. And then she says, Jen sometimes mentions that she takes breaks on IF on special occasions, What about me? Is there any special occasion where you take breaks from everything you do on a daily basis? And I just want to jump in right there. It's not that I take breaks. I just don't fast as long. I I mean, I consider every day I wake up, I'm in the fasted state. And some days my fast, I just break it earlier. Like Christmas Day, I break my fast at 9 a.m. Was that really a break? I don't know. Because I never eat for like from the minute my feet hit the floor till the minute I go to bed, ever. There's always a period of the time of the day where I'm still fasting. I I really don't. I experimented with trying it, trying taking a break and doing more like eating throughout the day. And it just doesn't, it doesn't make me happy. (laughs) So, and then as far as like taking breaks from everything you do on a daily basis, that's really hard for me. I, I just, I find so much joy in my quote work and all of my habits and the way I've structured my life, I find so much joy in it that the closest I come to taking a break is slowing down maybe. Well, I mean, it's like you don't take a break from brushing your teeth or washing your face. It's just your routine. Mm -hmm. Like I definitely don't take breaks from the biohacking stuff, like using Juve and my blue blocks glasses, like, because those just, they only add good things to my life. But the closest I come to a break is all like, I've said this before, I'll scrapbook while watching TV or something. 
All right. Melanie wants to know, what is the one superpower you would love to have? What's yours, Jen? I thought and thought and thought about this. And every one I could think of, I kept rejecting it. Like the ability to know the future. I'm like, well, I don't want to know the future. All right. The ability to read minds. Well, no, I don't really want to read people's minds. You know, the ability to fly. Yeah, I don't want to fly. <laughs> I, you know, the Wonder Twins, they were able to turn things into states of water. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to have a superpower. Is that weird? I mean, I would love like a hundred superpowers, but <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, I can't think of one. Name a superpower you think I would I would like to have. I would love all of those that you just said. Oh, you would like to know the future? Gosh, no, that would be, I think I would have crippling anxiety if I knew the future. And if I could read people's thoughts, I don't want to know what they're thinking. I would like to selectively read people's thoughts. My superpower sort of relates to the future. It's not knowing the future, but I would like to know what to do at every given moment to manifest the best possible future for my life. See, I don't. I just want it to unfold. Isn't that weird? I don't know. I can't think of any any superpower. What about being invisible? I don't want to be invisible. Why would why am I invisible? Tell me why. I mean, why am I invisible? What am I doing that I need to be invisible? Because then you can go places and see things you might not have access to otherwise. I don't I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm such a weirdo. I can't think of a single superpower I would like to have. I think, how about this one? I think this would be great. What if you had the power to, whenever you engage with somebody, you automatically lift up their spirit. So like you're the type of person that... If that's a superpower, I'll take it. Like whenever you engage with somebody, they're going to feel so much love and they're going to feel better and they're going to like you and like themselves and... I'll take that. I'll take the love superpower. All right. That's the only one I could. I would like. I didn't know that was a possible choice. <laughs> there were no superheroes that did that. Time to have one. <laughs> Lindsay says, do you have a personal motto or mantra? What is it? Do you have one, Jen? No. <laughs> I mean, it's just, really, it is just to keep a positive attitude and that, I mean, I don't really have a mantra. I think a lot of people use delay, don't deny as their mantra. So maybe that's it. Or fast, feast, repeat might be my mantra or feast without fear might be my mantra. You know, they became book titles because that's the way I live my life. I guess those would be my three mantras. I don't really have a motto, but as I said, I try to live with positivity and, you know, childlike excitement. Yeah. Mine is Live vicariously through yourself. Okay. I don't know what that means. Because most people try to live vicariously through other people or other things. But if you live vicariously through yourself, then it's like you are so enraptured with the experience of your life that you live vicariously through yourself. Isn't vicariously, though, that by definition that it's not you? Exactly. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. If you could share a meal with anyone, who would it be? Didn't you ask me that on the episode where you interviewed me and I couldn't think of anybody? Yes. Yeah. It's so funny how opposite we are. (laughs) Mine's Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained one quality or ability, what would it be? The ability to make everyone feel loved. (laughs) And mine is the ability to know what to do at every given moment to manifest the best possible life. All right, we have a question from Dorita, 
And she says, why in the world have you two never met? It probably would have made sense in the beginning, but now it's like we've just come to know each other so well that I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we just haven't been in the same place at the same time. I haven't been to Atlanta in ages, probably since before you moved back. Yeah. Because for a substantial part of this, I've been in LA for it. And I've never even been to LA. I am in Atlanta now, which how far is Atlanta from Augusta? It's just like two and a half hours. Well, maybe we should make that happen. Next time I come to Atlanta, but I don't know when that'll be. Yes. And that does kind of flow into Samantha's questions. Yes. Which is, if the two of you finally met in person, but had to pick a mutually agreed upon meeting place or destination, what would it be? She says, Melanie, it can't be in Georgia. You have to travel a bit. And she says, pretend COVID doesn't exist, which would be nice. Well, I think it would be Atlanta. (laughs) But it can't be in Georgia. I know, but okay. Okay. So the practical, realistic answer is Atlanta. You could come to the beach with me. Yeah. What about Sanibel? I'd go there. I'll go anywhere that's the beach. I love Sanibel. It brings me so much happiness and it has a beach. So maybe that should be it. All right. Perfect. Oh my goodness. I'm excited. (laughs) All right. Anna says, what or who would you give up fasting for? I would give it up if it was no longer what I perceive to be the most helpful, healthy choice for my body. Yeah, I think so. But I can't imagine that being true. But that's the only thing. I would never give it up for a person. Like if it was like, oh, you have to, no, (laughs) no. Yeah. So only I would give it up for myself, basically, if it had to be. I agree. Yep. Natalie wants to know what would be your last meal ever if you could choose with no consequences? You know what I always really like is a good cheeseburger and fries that are very high quality. But it's hard to get, you know, hard to get high quality fries because I don't like fries made in really low quality oil. That always makes my stomach hurt. But it would have to be like some amazing fries and a really high quality burger. But I mean, I can have that all the time. (laughs) But that is one of my favorite things to eat. Super duper good quality fries and a great burger. Mine would be probably Chili's Cajun chicken pasta. Oh. Really? You would go to Chili's for your last meal? Yes. I would get that Cajun chicken pasta. (laughs) I probably wouldn't go there. I'd probably get it. Well, I don't know. I might go there. And I would have Funfetti for dessert and more Funfetti and a cookie cake and the more Funfetti. If you like tried to make me eat Funfetti, I would not eat it. I just don't like it. But we've talked about that before. Last night I made black bean brownies. They were so delicious. I saw your picture on Instagram. They're so good. I mean, I don't make them because I'm like, oh, these are like, you know. I mean, I would also eat regular brownies, but I just like black bean brownies better. They looked yummy. They're so good. All right. Charlotte wants to know, have there been times where one of you has had to back down because you disagreed? Yeah, we've had disagreements. I think probably stuff we've talked about, like grains and stuff like that. But I think we do a pretty good job of agreeing to disagree about things. I think so, too. Yeah. We got some intense listener feedback about one of our grain discussions, which was really interesting. But I think what's really important is we both understand that people, that different things work for different people. And we understand that people have different opinions. Like, I think we can empathize with the other person's perspective. Right. 
and I was thinking about this a lot recently, as long as you can understand that people have different opinions or empathize with other people, there's really no fear of disagreeing about anything. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Like, what does it matter? What does it matter? It doesn't. Yeah. Like the people who, you know, get all bent out of shape you know, because of the way I define the clean fast, for example. I mean, that, that okay, don't do, don't, I mean, I'm not like coming to your house and like forcing you to do anything. I genuinely believe this is the best thing to do. But if you don't, I mean, just go do you. Yeah. The concept of being offended, if you're offended by something, I've just been thinking about this a lot recently. If you're offended by something, it means that somebody did something that is imposing upon it can't really be about the other person because you could choose not to be offended by anything. I think just food for thought. I mean, just go be, you know, if you don't like, you know, for example, we, we do promote the clean fast in my Facebook group and people get so mad sometimes. I'm like, there's so many Facebook groups, go find one that, that follows what you think you should be doing and be in that one. And you don't need to like be upset with me. That's the thing. I'm trying to think of things that, you know, might be offensive to you. I think the, for me, at least the, the appropriate response would be if it's something where I think it's wrong and it's a bad thing, that would just make me sad or it would make me want to, you know, put forth the alternative or why it should be a different way. But I really think that the more intelligent a person is, the more willing they are to understand how little we know and that there are so many there's so much more you don't know than what you do know. It's when you start thinking you know everything and can't possibly have another way of looking at it that you fall into trouble. It's like if we just know that we don't really know anything and we know that other people have different opinions, everything's fine. <laughs> so, okay, Trisha says Jen, how long do you stand on your Life Pro slash Turbo Boost? All right, 10 minutes. I do it for 10 minutes. Okay. She says, ladies, what is the best go-to fast but healthy meal for on the go that is truly filling? I used to always get frozen veggie pasta with cheese sauce. Oh, I've got one that is really works for me. I just open a can of black beans, organic black beans, rinse them off, heat them up. And put whatever you like to put on them. For me, it's sour cream and cheese. You can have some, you know, like some organic tortilla chips on the side. That's what I would put on the side and munch them with it. Or, or like an avocado, slice up an avocado and throw that on there. Oh, you really want to be full? And this is a meal that Zoe liked for me. Black beans, avocado, and also a couple of eggs. So filling. I'm just thinking about how that would just sit in my stomach and maybe never come out. <laughs> It makes me so full and satisfied. I mean, beans, I mean, honestly, beans are my favorite thing. Like I, like I just said, I made black bean brownies. So funny. I eat a lot of beans. <laughs> I don't really eat fast on the go. That would stress me out. I would just not eat. <laughs> but if I was on the go, I would probably concoct something from the Whole Foods. You could take a can of beans on the go. <laughs> just heat them up anywhere. Right. Like I feel a sense of stress when it's like fast meal on the go. I'm like, Ugh. like I have to have my my long meal, my my setup. Yeah, that makes sense. I would say nuts if they didn't sit in me. Nuts. Yeah, if they didn't sit in me for eons. 
All right. So we have three questions together that, that are the same topic. Michelle says, Melanie, do you plan to go back into acting with that? What would your dream role be? Christina says, Melanie, are you still acting or do you consider podcasting your new career? And Teresa, when and why are you moving back to LA and will you go back into waitressing post-COVID? So acting is honestly still my passion. Like it's the thing that makes me feel the most alive while doing it. My career has evolved into something I obviously didn't foresee at all, which is podcasting, which is my career right now. And I think the ultimate evolution and hopeful metamorphosis of it all is I would love to turn basically the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast into a TV show format and kind of bridge together all of that. So like the entertainment industry and the film side of things with what I'm doing right now. And then ultimately I would love to produce my own movies (laughs) and cast myself in them. The dream role would be like a Disney princess or something like a live action version of the Swan princess. Oh my goodness. Especially because I feel like I am a swan. Like, you know how she she gets stuck in the swan body? No. (laughs) Do not. Uh Uh-uh. I don't know anything about the swan princess. No. She's a princess and then she gets turned to a swan and like can't get out of the swan. And I felt like with my health issues for the longest time, I was like stuck as this swan and I just want to turn back into the princess. It's like a metaphor for my life. So I'd love to do a live action version of that. I'll be moving back to LA probably this year. It kind of depends on the COVID situation. And actually, and I don't mean for this to sound pretentious at all, but one of the best things that happened to me with COVID was, I don't know if I would have quit my serving job if that hadn't happened because it felt like security to me, like clocking in somewhere. So that kind of forced me to not do that job anymore and see how I was without it. The crazy thing is I want to go back to it because it's an outlet for me, like exercise and forces me to, I'm not very social. So forces me to put on makeup and talk to people, but I don't think it's the best use of my time now. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. So when they were like, we have to let you go. I was like, okay, I guess that's how that's going to happen. Hi, friends. Now, I know most of you are familiar with the power of protein to help us to recompose our bodies, get fitter and leaner by losing body fat and protecting and gaining muscle or lean body mass. Now, protein supplementation is one of the best ways to do it. It is scientifically validated to help us produce high quality weight loss. Now, when it comes to weight loss, traditionally, a lot of people will do high carb, low calorie diets, and those have been shown to generate upwards of 40% lean body mass loss. Now, protecting your lean body mass and your muscle is crucial when you are wanting to lose some fat because during weight loss, you don't want the weight lost to be coming from your muscle. The more muscle you're able to retain, the more you're retaining metabolically active tissue, which is going to keep your metabolic rate much higher and help you maintain the fat loss after you have achieved it. Now, one of the best ways, as I said, to do this is through using protein shakes. I've been on the lookout for years to find a high quality protein supplement that does not have fillers, dyes, artificial sweeteners, and using cheap protein concentrate, which can cause all kinds of issues like bloating and indigestion. 
I finally created a protein supplement that meets my standards, and it's something that I personally use every single day, and that is Tone Protein. Tone Protein not only is extremely clean and high quality with only whey protein isolate, no concentrates, no fillers, it is also scientifically formulated to optimize muscle protein synthesis, which is going to help you build lean body mass and muscle in the most efficient way possible. I am so incredibly excited about Tone Protein. Not only is it extremely high quality and optimized to help you recompose your body, it is also absolutely delicious. We've been having so much fun with all the different flavors that we are creating, and I just can't wait for you all to try it. Now, I wanted to create a special launch discount for all of you listeners so that you could check it out, try it out, see how you like it, and test it out for yourself. In order to receive that launch discount, you can head over to toneprotein.com and sign up with your name and email address, and you'll receive an email to double opt in to the list, and you'll be the first to know when Tone Protein is available to order, and you will also receive that exclusive launch discount. It is going to be the biggest discount that we ever offer on Tone Protein, so I really want all of you to be able to receive it. So be sure to go to toneprotein.com, sign up with your name and email, and you'll be double opted in to that list. And I am so excited for you all to try it out. Let me know what you think of it and let it help you to optimize your body recomposition goals, get that fat loss and maintain and protect your lean body mass while doing it. All right. So Marion wants to know, what are the best and worst things resulting from this pandemic for each of you? What is your greatest asset? And thanks for all of your hard work on the podcasts. I love listening every week and learning new things. Since I've been retired from teaching, I realized, you know, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, my day looks very similar, you know, before and after. So my my routine hasn't changed a lot, except that one of the worst things is my Saturday coffee group had to stop. And I really miss that, seeing people every Saturday over coffee. So we had to stop doing that. So that, you know, the worst thing is not being able to do all the things like like that we used to could do. Just, you know, all the the restrictions on all of us. I don't like any of those, obviously. And not being able to travel to San Francisco to see, you know, my son and his wife and not being able to travel freely. I think I think we would all agree. But day-to-day life for me hasn't changed that much other than, you know, wearing masks when you go places. That's just so weird. And sometimes it still feels like I'm living in a movie. Yeah, I've been talking to a lot of my friends in California and it's made me realize, I think, depending on where you live, how different the experience of the pandemic might be. Because for us in the South, the restrictions are not that intense. Yeah, like I just talked to one of my friends. She came over, okay, well, she came over for coffee yesterday. <laughs> and we, you know, we sat on in the socially distance, but she's a teacher and they still are teaching in person. Yeah. And they go to school. The children are there. So, but some places have not been in person school since early 2020. Over a year now, well, almost a year now, they haven't been in person. Yeah. And I've just, like I said, I've been talking to a lot of friends in California and I think it's a very different experience there. 
I think so too. Yeah. What is your greatest asset that Marianne asked? What would you say is your greatest asset? Well, really quickly for the worst and best for me, I already said the the best, which is I think it forced me to quit my serving job. And then the worst is, so my one phobia is the claustrophobia, but related to suffocation. So just the experience of wearing a mask is a little bit distressed. I, I do, I wear it, but it's just not ideal. Oh, and I never said what the best thing was. The best is that it helped me realize priorities. Like what's really important. It's definitely given me a lot of gratitude. Me too. Mm -hmm. I mean, gratitude for things like toilet paper. Honestly. Yep. 100%. All right. So what is your greatest asset? Marianne wants to know. I think it's my brain. I was thinking that too. I think my, for me also, it's, it's, I've learned to be a good listener. I wasn't always a good listener, but I think that's a good, an asset that I've got now. Yeah, I I think that's huge. And it's a skill. Also, I don't like saying these assets because it sounds like you're bragging or pretentious, which is not how I mean it at all. But I feel like I typically relate to people in a kind way. Like, you don't have to worry about, (laughs) I'm not going to hurt you. Those both tie into empathy. And I think that is something to probably, especially interviewing Dr. David Perlmutter for his book, Brainwash. It's very much a thing in your brain. Like some people just, their brain can't empathize with other people. It it just doesn't and it can't. So I'm really grateful for that. It goes back to the brain. So Ashley has a question and she says, where do you see yourself in five years personally and professionally? I want to write children's books. I may have said that before. The genre will be nonfiction science. Which is awesome. Bill Nye the science guy. (laughs) That's right. <laughs> and I would love to have, yeah, some like the TV show type thing. So, and I also, you know, want to be a grandmother and, oh yeah, personally. Yeah, personally. Cal and Kate, when they were here, I said, so what, what are y'all thinking about kids? And they said, we haven't decided. And I'm like, what? I mean, that's the part that's so strange to me because I, I can't imagine not, like I always knew I would be a mother and my sister always knew she wouldn't. We didn't have to think about it. I'm just, you know, it was just like, of course I'm going to have children. And my sister was like, no, I'm never having them. But we never wavered. And, you know, like Will, he knows he wants to be a dad. But Cal and Kate are not sure. So I'm like, I don't even know what to do with that. (laughs) But I want to be a grandmother eventually. So, well, I guess you have Will. I've got Will. Thank goodness. Everybody have two children at least because... You never know if they're going to give you grandkids. My my friends who are, are grandparents talk about how it's like nothing else. The love is so different from the love you feel for your children. It's like multiplied. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love my children so much. And every parent, of course, loves their children. But what I understand is that the love of a grandparent is just different because you love them, but then you're not like making every decision. So it's like a less pressure kind of love. Like there's not the stress and the, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think I will have children. Yeah. You don't have the burning desire to do it. Mm-mm. I would want to have accomplished a long laundry list of career goals, which comes off as pretty selfish, but I would just, I would have to have accomplished those first. So by the time that happens, I don't know if I will be of childbearing age anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. So 
Lisa, she says, what is the number one burning question you would want to know the answer to, to solve either or all of your problems or give you peace of mind? And who would you ask? I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like I have any, I'm like the worst. I'm like, I don't know, nothing. I I really don't feel like I have problems. Does that make sense? I mean, I've got like the normal problems, like, you know, my cat is a little bit incontinent and I have to deal with that. Did you know that about LA? Did I tell you that? Mm Mm-mm. After she got hit by the car and she had the nerve damage, sometimes she has bladder infections. I mean, like my biggest problems are like that. I don't have, I mean, I'm I'm very fortunate and I know it. I have a good life and it's, it's, I'm happy every day. So, I mean, my biggest problem right now is my computer is slow. I mean, I don't have life difficulty problems that are giving me that that keep me from having peace of mind. I have a lot of peace of mind. I guess that's a way of putting it. Yeah. I think I have peace of mind as well. I want to know are are aliens real? I'm I'm interested in that. <laughs> you know, I want to <laughs> I would want to know what to do to resolve lingering health issues. And I don't know who I would ask because if if I knew who I would ask, I would probably already ask them. You would have. You totally would have. Exactly. And that's also the thing. You know, the questions, burning questions, either we we you and I both know how to find the answer or they're unanswerable. I guess that's why I couldn't like like I came up with the idea of, you know, are aliens real? I mean, we we know there's nobody I could ask. That was a really beautiful concept that you just shared. What? That we like know who to ask or they're they're unanswerable. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And even a lot of the questions that you do ask are still unanswerable. <laughs> but anyway, I, I think a lot, I don't know. I've got a lot of peace of mind. I mean, I, I worry about the future. I think all people do right now, there's a lot of unknowns in the future, but I also don't live worrying about the future to the point that, because I, I can't control it. So I have peace of mind knowing that no matter what happens, we'll just deal with it. Yep. I have a lot of peace as well. I just love my life. I love life. We have a question from Miranda and she says, I would love to know how you would handle being on set since you've changed your skincare and makeup to clean ingredients. You may have already navigated this or not. Would you take your own or just roll with it? Yeah, that's a really great question. I would take my own and see if the makeup artists are receptive to using it. But if they had to use something else, I would let them. Good question. So I do know like my foundation, especially when I was doing a lot of like background TV work. So (laughs) I promise you, I've been in like most shows that were filmed between a certain few years, I would just bring my own makeup and the makeup artist would always comment on how like perfect it was for camera. So that really worked well. That's good. Yeah. Danielle, she says, I know you are both avid readers of health related books, but do you enjoy reading for pleasure? And if so, what types of books do you choose or what authors do you gravitate towards? A reading teacher has to know. That's a great question. And you know, I've been reading for pleasure a lot less than I used to, like, for example, the summer on the beach, I read, I mean, I read Atomic Habits, but I read that for pleasure. (laughs) So I do read fiction. I'm reading something right now that someone gave me. I can't remember the name of it, but it's set in Atlanta. So I like to read Southern fiction. 
when I'm reading fiction, I don't read a lot of fiction, but someone, gave, like I said, gave me this book. I love Maeve Benchy. Is that how you say her first name? M-A-E-V-E. I love Maeve Benchy. What does she write? She is Irish. She died. She's not alive anymore, but I will read any of her books at any time. I will reread them. She might be my favorite author. And she is. She's totally my favorite author. I love Maeve Benchy. So I used to read a lot for pleasure. I mean, that's all I did, basically. Me too. All I did. I read fiction all the time. Yeah, all the time. So I loved mysteries. I loved Stephen King. Oh, me too. Mysteries and Stephen King. Yeah. I read a lot of mysteries. I read all the Twilights. (laughs) Harry Potter. Yep. Now, if I had time, I, I probably would reread the Harry Potter series. Now the stuff I read is usually like, I will spend hours. This is going to come off as crazy. I shouldn't even say this. I will read like reviews of like Taylor Swift albums <laughs> for a long time. Well, you're in the 1%. I am in the 1% or Lana Del Rey. So the good thing is I do get a lot of pleasure out of the majority of the stuff I read that are health related. So. All right. So yeah, I think so too. I get, I get pleasure out of that. You know, I'm researching right now for my new book. And so I'm reading a lot of nonfiction again. I really love you and you do too. We both love reading scientific journals. Yeah. Oh, I love it. First, I want to see this, like the title and it's something I'm really excited about. And I love critiquing them in my mind because I'm like, that's not very good variable controlling. That's not what this says. (laughs) Anyway, I do love reading those. All right. So RC asks, if you could go to any concert Dead or alive, I guess that's meaning the artist is dead or alive. Of course, pre-COVID, whom would you go see? And I'm going to use the words post-COVID instead of pre-COVID because we're not going to we're not going to be trapped here forever. There's going to be a post-COVID world where we're going to concerts again. And if we're ten years from now listening back on this and going, "Oh, wasn't that funny?" Ha ha ha. Then I will probably not be happy. <laughs> you know how we said we have peace. <laughs> We don't get to a post-COVID world one day. I will not be as happy. So, but I, I know that we will. I would go to Taylor Swift, obviously. How did I know you would say that? I will. I will say which album I would go to: Red or Nineteen Eighty Nine, and then Reputation. All right. I would love to go see U two again. I've seen them twice before. I love U two. They've got great concerts. I've seen Billy Joel and Elton John. I've seen Elton John twice. I would go see him again. I love. Billy Joel. He was great in concert. I've never seen James Taylor, and I would really like to. I would also like to see Paul Simon. If I could travel back and see the Beatles, I would love to do that. Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you made me go to that, I I don't know. I might suddenly start listening to podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. That's crazy. Crazy. All right. Amy says, do you listen to each other's podcasts? I have stories and the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. I'm going to answer that for Melanie. I know she does not listen to I have stories (laughs) and I don't listen to the Melanie Avalon podcast. So I don't think either of us do. Am I right? You're right. I don't listen to podcasts. I listen to the first life lessons. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I've listened to at least one I have stories. Well, good. So you know what it's like. Mm-hmm. I'm just not a podcast listener. A lot of the moderators listen to the Melanie Avalon podcast. And so they'll, they'll you know, pop things. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, because they love podcasts. And the ones who love podcasts listen to it. 
podcasts. Yep. All right. Sarah says, what opinions have you completely flipped on since starting the podcast? Well, I, I don't know that that either of us have completely flipped on anything, just that we've learned more. Like maybe we weren't as certain about what we thought. Like I can remember I was thinking about this recently. The first time we got a CBD oil question, we're like, we don't think it's legal. Probably most places. I mean, we didn't know because it was weird and people weren't really doing it. So, <laughs> so if someone listens to that, will sound crazy in that old episode, but. I'm not sure that we've really flipped on anything, have we? Yeah, I haven't flipped. I've just evolved. Yes, that's it. We've evolved and we've learned more. So maybe some of our earlier ideas were less sophisticated than they are now. We understand the nuances better. I think the two biggest things for me in the shift is when we first started this is when I was deep, deep in the SIBO rabbit hole and my world was consumed with trying to kill small intestinal bacterial overgrowth in me. And now I'm much more lax about that and I don't focus on it as much. And then also, this is a big evolution. I felt the need to do a lot of pharmaceutical chelation for heavy metal toxicity. And I now would very hesitantly recommend that for anybody. I think I did a lot of damage to my body. I think I pulled out nutrients out of my bones and my body. And I think when you're pull out a lot of those nutrients, it's really hard to, you know, get them back in. I know what you mean. Yep. On like a cellular level, like the level of the bones. Mm -hmm. I was just reading about that today. I'm grateful for that even because I can tell people now, if you know, if they're contemplating doing pharmaceutical chelation for heavy metals, that there's a lot they should consider. So we have a question from April. What does Melanie eat in her window? I know she's paleo, but I'd like to know more details. Are you a good cook? What do you eat out at restaurants? Kangaroo, <laughs> right? <laughs> Meat. Always interested because she talks like she eats a lot. I think we can probably both answer this just because listeners might not know. Yeah, I pretty much rotate between very simple foods. And I find that I crave certain proteins at certain times. Like right now I'm in a scallop phase. I'm eating tons of scallops, but I'll usually eat scallops or shrimp or turkey or chicken or steak. No seasoning, nothing like that. I don't really add oils. I eat a lot of cucumbers. And then if I'm doing high carb, low fat, I eat a lot of fruit with it. If I'm doing low carb, high fat, I eat a lot of MCT oil with it. At restaurants, I usually eat, I usually get like rare steak with green veggies and wine. Oh, and there's wine with all of that. Low FODMAP. Everything is low FODMAP for me. I mean, I eat all the things. You know, I was thinking, is there anything I won't eat? Well, I don't eat things I don't like. Like, well, you know, I don't like fish. But other than that, if it's something I like and someone's offering it and I want to eat it right then, I'll eat it. But the definition of what I like has changed. Like, for example, you know, if I go back to 1992, I loved to eat at Pizza Hut. I'm just throwing out an example. They're pan pizza. I loved it. But now I'm like, I don't think I would eat that if you paid me to eat it because I don't like it. It would make me feel sick. That's how we're so different. I still love all of those things. All of them. All of them. I can't think of one like, quote, you know, a fast food or like a process. I can't think of one standard American diet meal that I enjoyed in the past growing up that I'm like, oh yeah, I wouldn't like that now. No, I would love all of it. 
Well, like macaroni and cheese. I love macaroni and cheese, but if you tried to make me eat craft macaroni and cheese, I would be like, no, I'm not eating that. Oh, I would love it. No, I wouldn't eat it, but I would like to make, you know, my own macaroni and cheese that starts with a bechamel sauce with, you know, butter and flour, and you make a white sauce with the milk and good quality, sharp, sharp cheddar cheese. Oh my gosh, I would eat that 100%. Yeah, my tastes have really changed. My taste buds have changed. When I go to restaurants, I gravitate more towards the vegetable type things just because that's what I'm going to enjoy the most. A lot of things at restaurants are just too processed and heavy that I, I don't enjoy them. You know, I cook at home a lot every pretty much every night. Last night I had chicken and I had broccolini and I made biscuits and, and they were so good. My taste buds have changed as well in that I love foods that I didn't used to like. So, but you know, vegetables and I'll crave things that I wouldn't have ever liked before, but I still would adore all of the, that processed stuff. Yeah, I just don't. Except for Doritos. I've never lost my taste for those. Doritos and crackers. <laughs> I like crackers. I like Doritos. I like chips. You don't really like crackers. Yeah, I love them. I love cr- crunchy things. All right. We have a question from Chantel. She says, I really enjoy your podcast. I'm a personal trainer in California, and I would love to know what is each of your favorite kind of exercise, aka soulmate workout. LOL. Keep up the outstanding work. My vibration plate is my favorite exercise to do. I really love it. And then second would be my rebounder. And third would be hula hoop. I also like swimming. But when I say I like swimming, I don't swim like a lap. Like I get in the pool and I jump around and I have fun in the pool. But it's a lot of exercise. Mine would be waiting tables, if that counts. Ah, yeah, it absolutely does. Because I love not thinking about the physical activity, just having to do it out of the need of accomplishing a task in the moment. And if you're, especially because I used to work at like different fine dining steakhouses and we would have to carry trays, those plates were so heavy. Oh, they were heavy. Mm -hmm. Like so heavy. And I loved it because... Lifting that big tray up on your shoulder. Because at no point are you like, oh, this is a workout. I have to lift this tray. It's like, no, I have to lift this tray because I have to carry it over here. Like, <laughs> so. Did anybody ever come up to you uh, or, or, you know, while you were waiting tables and say, oh my God, you're Melanie Avalon? No, no. That would have been fun. I don't think so. I also wouldn't tell them my last name because I have a different legal last name. Right. So. Now, you've just blown people's minds that didn't know that about you. I knew that about you. Oh, yes. People are like, what? It comes in handy. (laughs) If I could go back, would I use a different name? I don't know. I just put it all out there with my real name. (laughs) But I've been using Melanie Avalon for... It was your stage name. Yeah. So it's my SAG name. Like It's my Screen Actors Guild name. I started using it once I graduated from college, so... It feels like me. It's weird when people say my other last name. I'm like, what? (laughs) All right. So we have a question from Lauren. Who would each of you cast as yourself and the other in the epic movie of your lives? Oh, I miss the other. I I know who I would cast as myself, but not for you. I know who I'd cast as myself, but not for you. Well, go ahead. Who? For yourself. That's what you just said. I would want to play myself. Oh, that's cracks me up. I mean, right? Okay. I see it. You're an actress. That makes sense. I guess I would cast you as yourself then. There you go. For me, I actually have had people say more than once 
that they would cast Reese Witherspoon as me. Interesting. I've just, I've heard that multiple times. Is it something about your personality? Maybe. She's also a Southerner. Okay. So Reese, and if I'm not playing me. Taylor Swift could play you. No. Well, what's really funny is this has happened historically all the time. People always come up to me, especially when I was doing acting and they'd be like, you look just like fill in the blank. Do people tell you this all the time? And it was always a different name. Oh, that's weird. Like it was never, there was never one name that people would tell me all the time. It would always be a new name. And I was like, okay, that, I don't know why. I don't know if I give off different vibes or. Well, you're, you're a good actor. You're good at acting. An actor can be a chameleon, right? That's the, that's the true test. If you're the same exact character in everything you do, you're not really acting. I guess I would probably choose my girl crush, Blake Lively. I don't think I look like her, but I love her. So Blake Lively and Reese Witherspoon. All right. I guess so. And Emmy says, how have your thoughts regarding fasting evolved and changed over time? You know, when I first started fasting back in 2014, really everything I read talked about just that it was a way to eat fewer calories. So I saw it as a diet, a way to diet and eat less food. And now I've understood over, you know, first reading the obesity code and then reading Mark Matson's work and then reading all the research that I've been reading over the years. I understand that it is a lot more than just a way to, quote, eat fewer calories. It actually has metabolic and hormonal effects on our bodies. And it is, you know, I like to say the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. It's a healthy lifestyle. So it's not a temporary thing you do. It's a lifestyle. And I didn't understand that at the beginning, but I do now. And also, of course, the importance of the clean fast, and that evolved over time as well. And I go back to even when I wrote Delayed on Deny back in 2016, and I deferred to people I respected rather than challenge their thoughts. Like, you know, Jason Fung said, put cream in your coffee. I'm like, well, okay, I love Jason Fung. He says, put cream in your coffee. It must be okay. But now I've evolved to the point that I am confident in my own opinions. And no, you really don't want to put cream in your coffee. That's not really fasting. And and I can, but I can still respect Jason Fung and love him and his work and have a different thought. And that's okay too. Yeah. I love that. I think my biggest thing is kind of a fluctuation and a change. And it's my thoughts surrounding fasting for women specifically and concerns surrounding overstressing the body or hormonal health or, you know, paying attention to women's reproductive health. And I think, I think when I first started, I didn't think it was a issue. I think then I started thinking, oh, maybe it is more of an issue than I'm realizing. And now I'm at a place where I actually am more comfortable now with females fasting rather than less. I thought I, I, I think if you had asked me maybe a year and a half ago, where did I anticipate my thoughts going on female fasting? And I might've expected that I would increasingly become nervous or wary of it more than less. But I actually think for most people, fasting is usually a very healthy thing. I think oftentimes the problem is not the fasting, it's not having adequate eating. Yes. When people ask me about women, I say the problem is not the fasting, it is over-restriction. 
Over-restriction is not good for women. And I do not recommend that you treat fasting as something with over-restriction. So over-restriction is bad whether you're eating 10 times a day or once. And you can over-restrict in a 10 times a day model as well. I think if a female is living a restrictive diet and or lots of exercise and coupling it with fasting, in that context, it's quite possibly an issue. So it depends on where you're at and the personal female, but I I think fasting in general, if practiced, quote, correctly in in a nourishing way and having the eating window, having ample nutrition, maybe maybe it's a longer eating window that you need. If the fasting is creating a lot of problems, I don't think it's just the fasting. Right. I got 100%. And it makes me really frustrated when people continue to say that anything about women just as a general blanket statement. And the reason that's a big change for me is I think I did anticipate not, I I don't know, I was anticipating maybe not thinking that, but yeah. And then I was just going to throw in, we got two really quick things. They weren't questions, but they were for this episode and they were just some kind words. Sarah said that we are her favorite duo and favorite podcast, the perfect pair, because your goal is the same and thoughts and ideas differ. I can only imagine how many people you have helped. She says, I don't have a question. I'm just so happy you guys found each other, even if you haven't met in person. And then Linda said, do you realize how you've improved? This kind of is a question, but not really. She says, do you realize how you've improved the lives of thousands of people? Talk about having a purpose and impact on humankind. Wow. Wow is right. That's just amazing. I thought that was really beautiful. And they said in their words, I think what Jen and I experience and feel a lot, which is we're just so grateful for this show and fasting and the audience who are, they're the best. And I'm really happy. Episode 200. Yay. Thank you, everybody who submitted questions and everyone who listens. And I hope that you've enjoyed this. I feel like I'm the most boring person ever, though. Cracks me up. (laughs) I'm just over here with my cat. (laughs) If I had a superpower, it would be that I would restore that she would no longer have. (laughs) There's my superpower. My cat would not have nerve damage anymore. That would be my superpower. That would be something I would be able to just heal with the touch of my finger. Okay, that's my superpower. I got it. Oh, see? Yeah, that's a great one. I want to heal with the touch of my finger. And the first thing I would heal is my cat. You could heal me, my health, my issues. With the touch of my touch of my finger. Yes. All right. That's brilliant. Well, for listeners, thanks for being here. I wonder how many listeners have listened to every single episode. Probably a lot. Because a lot of people tell us that they binge listened and then, and then they catch up. So that's a lot of Jen and Melanie. And I, I bet it's funny to hear us evolve. Like I was just thinking about. I know. It's crazy. So for listeners, the show notes for this episode will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 200. There will be a full transcript there. You can submit your own questions. If this was your first episode listening, which would be a little bit crazy, normally we answer listener questions about intermittent fasting and diet and 
lifestyle and all of that. So you can directly submit questions to questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can join all of our mini Facebook groups and you can follow us on Instagram, which is my new favorite place to be. I'm Melanie Avalon. Jen is Jen Stevens. I'm trying. I'm trying to. It's a struggle. It's such a struggle. You seem like you've just really jumped right in. You don't seem to be trying. You seem to be rocking it. It's requiring a lot of effort and energy and <laughs> insecurities, but I'm having a blast. Well, good. That's how it's supposed to be. It's fun. So, all right. Well, anything from you, Jen, before we go? Nope. All right. Well, I will talk to you next week. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.